time for the Extra Innings Podcast, presented by the Seattle Times. Your host is Seattle Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish. This semi-weekly slash monthly slash whenever he gets around to it podcast talks about the Mariners, Major League Baseball, food, and whatever else Ryan and his guests decide to talk about. And now, here's your host, Ryan Divish. All right, welcome to the Extra Innings Podcast. It is Thursday morning, December 22nd. I am your host, Ryan Divish. I sound like I've been on a whiskey and cigarettes binge for about a week. Now, where that differs is usually the cigarettes aspect of it. I'm, you know, whiskey binge for a week. That's pretty standard for a baseball writer. Um, playing a little hurt, I guess, is what you'd say. Uh, just dealing with sinus infection, kind of cold. I don't know, you know. Um, part of the reason is, is it is roughly according to my weather app right now minus 24 degrees outside here in haver montana wind chill is minus 48 um and the days leading up to this cold snap that you know i know the seattle area is getting snow days leading up to it, it was about 15 20 below with the wind chill and i was out having to shovel because we got a massive amount of snow shovel and run the snow blower for my girlfriend and my girlfriend's house and my parents house and my parents neighbors so i think that's part of it and then you know, just being around some kids and stuff who are sick. So if I sound a little funny, I'm sorry. Um, it certainly doesn't make me sound smarter. I don't know what would. Uh, so anyways, we um, recorded a conversation on Wednesday afternoon, um, right after the Carlos Correa stuff had really kind of gotten full circle. Um, so Larry Stone and Adam Jude and I have our little uh, conversation about all that. There is some stuff, technical issues with Larry. It's his internet. We can't fix it. I don't know what to do. I'm sure that there's better recorded podcasts out there. Yes, Jason Puckett, I'm talking to you. Um, but we're, we're just trying to piece it together. I mean, we don't actually get paid for this or, you know, that's not like a requirement for work. It's more a labor of love. So obviously we're not investing a ton in it. Um, and quickly, just to get to one thing that I mentioned, and it caused some fervor on on um, Twitter, which what doesn't cause fervor or like consternation on Twitter. But uh, last week's show, I just kind of mentioned like, look, there's a lot of people that want to see Jerry and Scott fail in the organization, you know, outside the organization and some inside the organization. Um, and I'm, you know, kind of just summarizing there. And then Apparently, people like took that one little bit and were like freaking out, like, "Oh, what the hell?" Well, that's been the case for a while now. Um, I try and explain it in the conversation with Adam and Larry, but quickly, just in case, uh, I feel like I didn't know if it came off as well because of all the medications I'm being pumped into, pumped into me, trying to make me feel better. But like, quickly, just is when you have the amount of turnover that the Mariners have had in their front office, in their in their baseball player development, in their scouting, in their analytics, even in the players, some of the stuff with the players. We've, we've heard the complaints about the players. Um, you know, you get a faction of people, you know, that are unhappy. Obviously, the, the former employees who were let go by this regime for whatever the reason, some of them long time and popular employees within the organization. And then you also have the people that remain that were close with these people that were fired or let go and felt like that shouldn't have happened. You know, I had people on Twitter asking me to explain, well, this is what happens a lot of time, you know, like you, you work for these bigger companies and your loyalty is tested. And I, I'm sorry, but like, you know, this is pretty standard. I mean, like, do you, you know, if you work for a bigger company, do you love every one of your bosses? Do you respect every one of your bosses? Do you like do you like every one of your employ your fellow coworkers? Look, I said it on the thing. It's like, oh, to be honest, like it just doesn't work that way. And so, you know, you're not, I guess, in the loyalty of it all. Sure, I think everybody at the Mariners wants to see the Mariners have success. Everybody works there, but they just don't necessarily like certain people taking credit for it. So it's, it's. I wouldn't call it jealousy. It's just you know, dislike for what had happened. And I mean, like, I don't, you know, Scott and Jerry don't have to worry about that because they did it. They believe in their way and they're, they're getting success. Um, and also, as I mentioned in the, in the conversation as well, look, baseball's kind of like, can be like a little bit like junior high girls, mean girls. Like they don't like, you know, jealousy's easy. You know, if you try to be different than the crowd or act different than the crowd, you know, People don't necessarily like that, and they certainly don't like it when you talk about it. So, you know, there is some of that as well. So 
I don't even know if this is explaining it a ton, but one, like I had one guy on Twitter go, oh, it's just about Kyle Seager. No, it's not about Kyle Seager. No, it's just not. Um, it's, it's a lot of different things. It's a lot of different people that are frustrated. And you know what? I've told Jerry and Scott as much in conversations. It's like, hey, look, there are people that don't like you. And this is what happens. And I think they're good with it as long as they, you know, believe in, you know, if they believe in what they believe in and it's leading to success. It doesn't matter whether people like you. Everybody likes a winner at the end of the day. You know, if the organization is winning and su- such, then it won't matter what they do, you know, and they're going to have outlasted everybody anyways. So I hope that's kind of what how I explained it. I, I know I tried with Adam and Larry. Um, so anyways, we'll get to the conversation with those guys. It's a lot about Carlos Correa, about the Mets, about Mariners and free agency. And then we get into why free agents might not want to go to Seattle. And this is something I, it's kind of a story I've been trying to work on, but it's like impossible to get some of these agents and some of these players to go on the record. Um, Even some of the people in the organization have their doubts about, or have their concerns as to why they haven't signed free agents. So I'm still trying to work on it, but like, I can't just, I just am not comfortable writing story with nothing but anonymous sources completely anonymous sources so uh we'll we'll take a look at it and see but anyways adam and i and larry discussed that to some level length as well so let's get to the show and i'll stop yammering and and hopefully feel a little better Round two of the Extra Innings podcast. We just tried to to do this, and Larry's computer was all messed up, and his internet. You know, apparently in Bellevue they don't have good internet there. You know, in that rich Newport area. Um, Maybe we should pay our should have paid our bill this month. I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, if if repressive cold is affecting internet, then it would be on my end. As I mentioned on the previous version of this it is minus 20 what did i say 23 i'm gonna look again also this the apple weather app sucks i think we all know this it's minus 23 and it's got a wind chill of minus 48 adam's dogs are probably playing in the snow do you still have snow on the ground adam oh yeah we got a good six inches here the last couple of days and the dogs have barely been inside yeah they're loving life the two huskies so it's been they fun just, been good for them just, like yeah. lay in the snow they just tackle each other constantly, just yes. constantly chasing each other, digging, digging in the snow, rolling around, eating the snow. It's yeah. pretty fun to watch, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, for your old bones, I don't imagine the cold and the snow is good for you, is it? No, no. It's uh, the, yeah, the old bones are aching. I'm heading to Kansas City for the Seahawks game on Friday, and it's supposed to be just brutal there, that Midwest cold snap. Bob Condota and I are a little worried about even getting there uh, with the uh, the airport is in uh, disarray and chaos. So we'll see if we hopefully we'll get there for the Seahawks game on Saturday. Yeah, that doesn't sound enjoyable. Would they already cancel like 100 flights or something like that? Yeah, I know. And I... Uh, I have the last flight out on the 23rd on Friday. Mm-hmm. So if it's canceled, I have no fallback. So I'm working, I'm working on getting get a different flight, but we'll see. Uh, so last night I was not locked into Twitter, um, which was really nice. Actually, I was looking at Twitter earlier, but apparently at about midnight, Adam was awake. Mary was awake. I wasn't. I was not awake. No, you were not. <laughs> I didn't want to be awake, but I was. Yes. Um, the news broke that Carlos Correa had signed with the Mets after agreeing to contract terms with the Giants. I haven't done any reading on the, the situation, Larry. First of all, you have friends that cover the Giants. You pointed out that the press conference announcing the signing had been postponed. What did you hear, Larry? What have you read about the situation? Yeah, my my antenna went up when they canceled that press conference. That's never a good thing. <laughs> no. uh, when when that happens, that happened with. Uh, I mean, I, I tweeted about it today, but the uh, the Orioles had a press conference with Aaron Seeley in two thousand. They canceled it, voided the four year big money for the time deal that they had, and the Mariners ended up signing <laughs> that day. Sort of a very similar situation. Uh Apparently, there was just concerns over his uh, his medicals, and the Giants refused to sign off on the deal. And finally, Boris, 
uh, he said, I, you know, we, we signed this deal. We agreed to this deal like eight, nine days ago. You've had enough time either, either agreed to it or I'm going to shop him around some more. So he, the Giants didn't agree to it. So they shopped him around and Steve Cohen was very happy to add to their $350 million payroll and get one, that one last piece uh, for the Mets. By shopping around, I think he just called up Cohen and was like, hey, you want them or not? Here's <laughs> yeah. the number. Yeah. Must yeah. be nice to have that kind of money, huh? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like the on the TV shows where they have the the trench coat and they open it up. There's a bunch of watches. There's just Carlos Correa <laughs> dangling there. Hey, I got, a, I got this watch right here. You know, you want this? All-star shortstop. I wonder if it's his back. You know, he's had problems with his back throughout his career. I wonder if that was the concern. I, I do know about this. Uh, in talking with some people that work or that are associated or work with the Giants and then even talking to Hanager a little bit, the Giants and Farhan Zaidi are are like obsessive about health in terms of like when they when they're evaluating players and medicals, they call on like every kind of expert in every area to evaluate something, you know, they want to know. So like, you know, they don't just call one doctor, their team doctor, whatever they call back specialists, they call hand specialists, they call everybody possible. And then also with all their movement, you know, they have all these experts in movement and kinesiology. They, they do all this stuff to look at the background. And so what's crazy is, is Hanager, who's missed a ton of time with various injuries, you know, he signs his deal and then, and then they have issues with Correa's deal. So I'm wondering if it's the back or if there's an assortment of injuries or what they are, you know, lingering injuries that we don't know about. That's I had that same thought, actually. I'm like, wait, wait a minute. They're questioning Correa, but they were fine with Hanager, which, as we've discussed over the years, a lot of fluke stuff with with Hanager, too. But still, it's like, you know, Correa is, what, five years younger, four or five years younger and uh has been pretty durable for the most part in his career i know he has had some of the back injuries uh it'll be interesting to see what comes out um you know going forward with with all that career stuff for sure well i'm I'm, to me it's not that surprising that they'd have more scrutiny to a guy they're paying 13 years 380 million as opposed to three years 45 million uh you know i think they they warrant if you're going to be paying that kind of money, I think it's fair to, to, to go to dig deep in. And as far as his back, Susan Slesser, who is the uh, Chronicles beat writer for the uh, giants. Uh, she tweeted yesterday that her sources tell her it was not her, the back, that it's something other than the back, because that was the Im- immediate speculation was that it was his back because he has a history of that. So d- nobody really knows what it was exactly that, well, who- that red flagged them. Well, who's going to break the news about what it was? <laughs> Passing. Is that the next big get? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, what? you know, it was like, I don't know. I mean, I, at this point, it's so is Correa going to play second base or was he going to play third? Third. third. Gonna play third. Yeah. Well, how about the Giants? You know, people complain about <laughs> complain about the Mariners offseason. We'll, we'll get into that. But uh, they went after arson judge or you know aaron judge that john Heyman's famous uh tweet yeah. saying that they were gonna they they had reached agreement with arson judge and then that fell apart and then they reach agreement with uh, carlos correa and that falls apart so the two people that they wanted and one that they had uh both get away so it's a really really bad off season for and them. they lost carlos rodon yeah uh, yeah their own guy Hanniger's their big get and uh it's a nice piece of course but uh I, I think uh like Mariners fans I think Giants fans probably had higher expectations coming into well, the offseason for sure and they don't have the farm system to go out and um um go get a trade piece I don't think look I don't I don't know that they do I mean because even like some of the the guys that they thought were going to be prospects, they just really aren't like, you know, Joey Bart and those guys just haven't really been what they thought. So it's, they're not in a, in a, a great position. They have money to spend and they can't get somebody now. And there's nobody, nobody to spend it on. Yeah. yeah, really. I mean, um, yeah. What do, the Mets are crazy. I, I I'm stunned. Even like, who is the reliever they just signed uh, the other day for like 14? Adavino? Adavino? What? Yeah, Adam Adavino. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. was, he's a nice reliever. I mean, but like, what is their payroll at now, Larry? Well, it's, I believe it's like 380 million. And that's not even the story, the whole story, because 
the luxury tax, also known as the Cohen tax, yeah. <laughs> which was which was put into the basic agreement uh, that was reached last year, uh, there was a fourth level of tax, and it was a hundred percent designed to stop Cohen from doing exactly this, and it didn't stop him. He's he's going to owe ninety million dollars. I read in in tax tax money on top of the 350 plus million in payroll that they're at right now i mean they're going to probably shed some of those they have they have some redundancies now that they have Korea. Uh, they they can get rid of their existing third baseman uh but um they're they're in the 400 million range and you're going to have the the pittsburgh pirates and uh, couple of other teams who are going to be under 50 million so there's going to be like a 400 million dollar gap which between the, the top of the payroll and the bottom of the payroll structure it's crazy yeah they've they've also been linked to liam Hendricks in a potential trade too which i was reading because of the tax i think Hendricks is due around 14 million the last year of his deal but because of the tax you almost have to double his salary so he'd be owed uh for the mets about 28 29 million uh which yeah, basically would bring their total up to five hundred million for for payroll for for next year if they if they pull the trigger on that. Just absolutely ridiculous, and I love it. I love it. I think it's great for yeah. the sport. Um, I think it's great. You know, can force everyone else to step their game up, uh, or you know, obviously a lot of teams will have to get more creative too. But um, it's crazy, but I think it's a good crazy, and why not, man? Got the money. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, Go well, for it. people will say that it's just it, there. Are people who will say the exact opposite, Adam, that it's the death knell of baseball and that you can't have such a disparity and all that. But there's nothing stopping the the pirates and teams like that from investing a little bit more. And with all that money and all that payroll, there's no guarantee the Mets are going to win the World Series. Most teams who uh, who go all in like that usually don't. It's you a know. fun ride either way, right? Either they fail spectacularly or they win it and yeah. can force other teams to sort of reassess the way they spend, maybe spend money too. And so I, I think it's a great thing either way. It's going to be a fun ride. Well, what about talk about one upsmanship? Today is the day that the the Yankees introduced Aaron Judge, mm-hmm. and the back pages of the tabloids will be all Mets. You know, Correa. No one will Judge will probably barely get mentioned his his press conference. Yeah, I mean, like I don't, you know, I don't think it's necessarily great. I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's it was expected. You know, even like. He wants to buy this World Series. He wants to make a mark. I've never believed really that free agents, like the average free agent, really drives season ticket sales, you know, because that's the real moneymaker season ticket sales, you know, season tickets to luxury suites and everything like that. I never thought that like one guy, like, you know, when the Mariners signed Robinson Cano, I had people within the organization tell me, yeah, it didn't really move the needle that much as significant as you think it is. But this is this is like a whole new team. You know, he's bought everyone. I'm curious how this is going to work. You know, do they I mean, if if you're the Mets and they they have pretty good attendance last year, but does this drive season ticket sales with how many guys they have brought in in this push to help kind of finance the whole idea of what they're doing? It certainly would seem like a motivating factor. Yeah, obviously, uh, if you win, people will come and come and watch. I mean, they, they had a great season this last year. Where they win 101 games. Yeah, uh, They've got, you know, slugger Pete Alonzo, kind of homegrown talent. Uh, everyone loves Aaron Lindor. Had a nice bounce-back season. you got two future first ballot Hall of Famers, uh, Scherzer and, and Verlander at the top there. Uh, Edwin Diaz had one of the best seasons ever for a reliever this year. I mean, it's a lot to like if you're a Mets fan right now. Uh I'd be surprised they didn't have a a ton of ton of sellouts this year. Yeah. Well, they. Sh- I mean, they should. You would think that's one of the things. Like, you know, you. I mean, what if? Could you imagine though? Like, if you're Buck Showalter and you screw this up right away and you get off to a slow start, I mean, you're gonna get turfed. I mean, that's you, yeah. You know that the expectations are just sky high, and like we say this, the Dodgers have won every American league or every NL West for like the last 10 years, they've won one world series and it wasn't a COVID shortened year. I mean, like they've spent a lot of money too, and they have a one, there is no guarantees. Yeah. Well, I mean, last year, the, the, the all the 101 
100 win teams were all bounced. I mean, I think the Mets had a first round. Yeah. So, I mean, as great as the regular season was, it was a, a disappointing end that kind of colored the whole perception of that the, that season. The, the Dodgers were bounced by the Padres. The, the Braves were, you know, they were out. Um, and there was one other big winning. Well, the, the, the Astros, the other 100 win team ended up winning the World Yeah, they did okay. They did okay, but... And that Met- division too, yeah. You think of the NL East, and the Braves are loaded. They're they're stocked for for a nice little run here. Um, Phillies and, and the Phillies obviously have, have doubled down and they're getting to the World Series. Uh, obviously, Nationals and Marlins are a mess, but those three teams, man, uh, it's going to be a hell of a fight in that in that NL East. That's going to be a lot of fun. The Mets, the Mets were eleventh in attendance this year, two point five six four million. They were behind the Rockies were tenth. Rockies. <laughs> Yeah, because like it's just a party there. Like you go right. there, you go to it's a that, great ballpark. Oh yeah, and it's right in Lodo, and so I went to the first 11. ever game there. Trivia question: yeah, oh, wow. ninety-five. It hailed. It kind of snow hail. I was, I was, that's actually uh, super getting super sidetracked here, but that's when I basically decided I wanted to be a sports writer. We did the big tour, Coors Field it was brand new, awesome new ballpark. We got to go to the press box, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I already think it taken a journalism class in middle school or something, but. I was like, oh, I want to be a ball rider someday. So yeah. That was it. That's where it your, started. Your parents I, weren't smart enough to talk you out of it. Right. Yeah. I can't top that, but I covered several games uh, their initial season at Mile High Stadium when they played well. Of course, field was being built. That was a, that was a trip. They That, that was when they would draw 70,000 fans every night. I think they set the all-time attendance record. I believe they went over uh they went over four million and approached five million they were wow. such a phenomenon that first year so i'm looking at uh fan graphs their roster resource yeah here's their here's the mets projected lineup brandon nemo in center correa at third lindor at short pete alonzo at first jeff mcneil at second starling Marte. i forgot he was still around in right vogie snacks at dh mark canna and left and Omar Narvaez is the catcher. One of these things is not like the others. Man, it's like that 20, 2019 Mariners. Yeah. Reincarnated. <laughs> I mean, like, that's that's pretty crazy lineup. And then the rotation would be Verlander, Scherzer, Kodai Senga, Carlos Carrasco, and Jose Quintana. Yeah, I mean, Quintana and uh, Senga were also free agent signings. They, they spent a lot of money to get Senga, the best pitcher out of Japan this year. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the bullpen's got Diaz and Odovan Vino and Robertson. They gave a, yeah, Robertson. a nice deal, too. Uh, they are just absolutely loaded. And they might have the best prospect in baseball, and Francisco Alvarez there, too, knocking at the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Good time to be a Mets fan, that's for sure. You know, uh, I think this is a good transition, Div, here. I, I had roster resources. I had the Mariners lineup posted up i pulled it up yesterday just out of curiosity to see what they had projected for the mariners lineup and who do you think without looking or maybe you have looked who do they have projected as a designated hitter for the 2023 mariners tom murphy. you got a guess tom murphy is it somebody on the roster or somebody not on the roster? yeah it's tom murphy oh tom wow. murphy is your projected th right now and i'm sorry to laugh but uh it kind of sums up the mariners offseason in a lot of ways doesn't it well, they're not gonna, yeah, they, they wouldn't uh, use him as the designated hitter. I mean, obviously, that's not happening. But well, if they're going I by think that says Wilmer, a lot. I guess, but like, yeah, he's not going to be the DH. No. But I just thought it was funny. I was like, well, yeah. if you're a Mariners fan looking at that right now, you're like, come on, what, <laughs> what are we doing here? I mean, um, it's, yeah, I mean, like, it is just the discrepancy is, you know, like, look, okay, even if we don't have that as the you know whatever like they're going right now like your your three outfielders are jared julio and teoscar hernandez france at first colton long at second jp at short suarez at third cal is your catcher it's a nice lineup do i think it's a lineup that can make it to the american league championship series not a chance is that wrong of me Adam, Larry, 
that wrong of me. I just don't think there's any chance they make the American League Championship Series with that line. I don't give it. I don't give a crap how good their pitching is. <laughs> well, no, that lineup doesn't really scare me. No, yeah, there's a chance if you can get to the postseason. There's a chance, but it needs to get stronger to be for there to be a good chance. And and guys are flying off the market that would have been interesting for the Mariners. Uh, you know, this week, uh, J.D. Martinez, uh, who else signed? A um, couple of other guys that had been like, oh, um, uh, Drury signed. Uh, and attendee signed in the last attendee, week. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the options are, are, are dwindling for, for them. I, you know, I never like people, the, the, and I didn't, that was part of the reason why I think I got off Twitter yesterday is because the jury thing. And as uh, somebody pointed out to me is like, I just retweet like whatever, like there's a signing, a free agent sign and then never comment and just want to see the, the fear afterwards. But like, if you're legitimately getting upset over Brandon Drury, then you need to reassess because I don't think he's very good. And I don't think the Mariners think he's very good. They they were interested in him at the deadline. I, you know, I don't view him as an impact bat. Um, would he, you know, is he a, an option to for a platoon? Yeah, but I, I just think that's limits what you can do. I, nah. Um, I just don't think there's anything. Homers last year. Yeah, Cincinnati. <laughs> I, I, it just doesn't feel like the Mariners. We're interested really in any of the free agents out there. You know, obviously they checked in on a bunch of guys, but it felt like from the beginning, the shortstops were unrealistic for multiple reasons. Didn't seem like any of them really wanted to come here and take the Mariners money. Didn't seem like the Mariners wanted to give someone a 13 year deal anyway, probably prudent in the long run. Uh, but even some of the second tier free agents, it's just, you never really felt like the Mariners were in on those guys. Uh, I'm not commenting on that one way or the other. It just, that's just, kind of was the feeling all the way along. And now that you're sort of at the bottom of the, the pecking order, if you're looking at the free agent list, I mean, do you, <laughs> does, does a Jerickson Brofar get you excited? AJ Pollock, Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, either you're it's, it's older guys who, you know, uh, I mean, AJ Pollock turned down like a $13 million option from the White Sox. It's not like you're going to get him on a one year, $5 million deal either to be a platoon, uh, you know, left fielder. Um, he's looking for a little bit of a payday, even at 34, 35 years old. I just doesn't seem like a good fit with where the Mariners are for some of these guys left. Um, I don't know. We can talk about that, but then I was going to pivot into, okay, well that leads us into the trade market, which hasn't really developed yet. Obviously the Mariners struck early with, with Teoscar Hernandez, which was, Again, I think a really nice move at the time. Still really like it. I think he's going to be a good fit in this lineup. Uh, I, I do like the uh, Colton Wong pickup too. I think it makes a ton of sense from where they are, what they do. But again, I think at the time when they made those before Thanksgiving, I think we all looked at them as like, okay, nice, nice additions. Good start to the offseason. And obviously since then, it's been pretty quiet for the Mariners. And again, as we talked about last week, I think that's led to a lot of frustration for the Mariners fans who – uh, reasonably had really high expectations coming into this offseason. So, again, that's the big question. Where does that leave the Mariners? Are are they, is Jerry at this point just kind of waiting for that trade market to develop and then he's going to strike? We know that's where he feels most comfortable. Uh, he's made more deals probably than anyone over the last decade. Are we going to, a month from now, is there a good chance, I guess, Ryan, that we're talking about this Mariners offseason maybe a little bit differently than the tone we've had the last few weeks? What, what what are the chances of that happening, I guess? Oh, I think so. I think, like, now that most of the main free agents are off the board, I think, yeah, I think that's where you're at. Um, you know, you'll start seeing it probably after the first of the year. You'll see the trades start to build. But, um, again, like, because there's nothing left on the free agent market and, you know, somebody like the Giants is are just left without, I mean, all of a sudden, like, that market gets a little bit more difficult because, you know, the demand for a, a player that can help you that's an impact bat has increased because there's nowhere else to go get an impact guy. So I I would assume we're going to see that, you know, in talking with some sources, like the Pirates just weren't really taking offers on Brian Reynolds right away. They were kind of reassessing. Like A lot of people assume they will eventually, but they were just kind of waiting to see what the free agent market looked like because I think they were trying to maximize their market and like the availability of offers. So, I mean, it'll cost you, you know, the Mariners will make a move. I mean, I, I don't, 
when Jerry Depoto says he's going to go and address, he wants to add a right-handed bat. I mean, there are some lesser right-handed bats out there on the free agent market, and there's trade pieces too. He'll add somebody, but it's not going to be a splash, and it's not – will it make him better? Probably, but it's not going to be what people want, you know? And and that's – again, like, if you're <laughs> – you're not crowdsourcing your moves. I mean, like, that'd be – you know, it'd be like crowdsourcing how we're going to write something. You know, you, you don't do that. You, you write or you make the moves based on what you think is best and how it best fits. And from all indications that I have, I, I think he's just he's operating within some constraints that aren't his own. I don't you know, he can go out and sell the draft, develop and trade thing. And I think he really believes that. But I do think he would love to have an extra thirty five million dollars to work with per year. I don't think he has it right now. Um, I think because of what they've spent on Julio and Castillo and all these other guys, I just don't think they have that. So he has to operate within the means. And he certainly, at least publicly, can't complain about those guys being cheap or the limitations that are operating with, they're going to finish with a projected payroll, I think around 150 million. I've been told that ideally in this process, they want to get up to 185 million, you know, the highest they've ever had since I've been around is 175 million. So the market that they had, the free agent market didn't, wasn't a great fit in a lot of ways because they limited themselves in the shortstop, but I think they could limit themselves in the shortstop market because they knew none of those guys really wanted to go there. And we'll get into that. But yeah, I, I'm just kind of like, I get why people are pissed off because they expected more, but like beyond the four shortstops and Aaron judge. And I like Ben and but I don't even know that he's the impact bat. You know, I didn't like Nimmo. I certainly don't like Nimmo at $160 million. You know, Steve Cohen changed the market. And the Mariners had to adjust and they decided they didn't want to play that game. They figured they can find a better way to do it. But you know what? If that's the case, then you better make damn sure that Jared Kelnick's going to be good or you're trading him to get somebody that's good. And I've been told from multiple people that the only way they trade Jared is for an impact guy like Brian Reynolds. And it's for multiple years. One thing about the trade market, I kind of alluded to this in my, my column this weekend is that, uh, these guys with with the way the the free agent market is skyrocketing and the contracts these guys under controlled contracts reasonable you know contracts were signed before this explosion suddenly are huge bargains like Brian Reynolds at 6.5 million so you can you you can ask for even more because you mm-hmm. they're getting such huge uh, such such uh, great bargains on guys like that or anybody right now who's anybody who's signed from a previous year is going to be a uh, comparatively a, a good deal so that's going to up the asking price even more so i'm sure that the, the pirates will eventually get around to shopping brian reynolds but they're going to ask probably for two blue chip prospects just to start this thing and uh, you know, almost like it was with Soto last year. He's no Soto, obviously, but uh, he's. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to go really hard after Brian Reynolds, so they could ask for. They can ask for a lot, and probably will eventually get it. So uh, that's the problem with with going into the trade market is you've got to give give something up. Whereas free agency, it's only money, <laughs> only money. Uh, but the to, to get to your point. Ryan, I mean, the, the the Mariners are making a, a calculated risk here that they're gonna that these moves that they make are gonna be good enough to continue the momentum that they built last year when they made the playoffs and and really awakened the fan base and it was a, it's a likable team that fans got behind and I, I think a lot of them feel kind of betrayed because the promise always was that they were going to augment this team with free agency when the time was right and you know you can make. The case certainly that the time is certainly right right now, and they haven't even uh, signed any free agents. And yeah, the market is is out of control, but that's the market. And if you want to compete, you got to compete in that market. And maybe it's just bad timing, right? Again, Jerry, we, we know he loves the trade market. Is generally his it is his preferred route. Um, historically, and he's proven that year in and year out. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Larry, too, I mean, all this momentum they built up, all this goodwill just feels like it's dissipating so fast here in just a short amount of time. And 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 it does in some ways just feel like unfortunate timing, maybe for the mayors, at least maybe ultimately that's what that's what they hope. Because, again, if it's just because the trade market has been so slow and this has been such a historic free agent market that had to play out first, 
here, uh, you know, in December and, and leading up to Christmas. Maybe you're right, Div. Maybe after the new year, we really start to see the trade market open up a little bit. And teams, now that, that, that the market has been established a little bit, we start seeing some of these names move. But I was trying to get creative. I was looking at some options yesterday. I was like, okay, if you're the Mariners, what do you want? What do you need? What makes sense? I was kind of going through other rosters. Uh, you know, the Diamondbacks have a surplus of outfielders, young outfielders that look cost-controlled. Um, I don't know. I was looking at the Marlins and Brewers, different teams. I was just trying to, what makes sense? Who might the Mariners be looking at? And again, we we spend a ton of time and everyone spent a ton of time looking at Brian Reynolds and what a great fit he would be. Yeah, he'd be a great fit for about 25 teams right now too. So again, that's where it's like, if you're the Mariners, are you really willing to give up a Luis Castillo type package to bring Brian Reynolds here? Yeah, maybe that does make a lot of sense, but maybe that makes a sense, a lot of sense for half dozen other teams too. So again, I don't know how realistic that is. And again, looking around at other places, I don't know what else makes sense right now. I don't, I just don't know where the Mariners go from here. Again, as you said, right. I think they're going to do something. They need to do something. I, I just trying to pick out the crystal ball. I just, I don't really know what that is. Again, the Diamondbacks, you know, they've got Corbin Carroll, the guy who they should be really excited about. Seattle kid had a nice little breakout um, in in his uh, short stint there at the end of the season after being called up. They've got some other young pieces at, at Dalton Varshows, but catchers, good athlete, played in the outfield. Do, do they really even want to trade him? And again, are the Mariners willing to give up the type of prospects that, that it would take to bring a guy like that back to play left field? It just doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I just don't know what else is out there. No, what, but what they, makes sense. They could they could make a run at Cattell Marte, who actually has a pretty favorable contract. Oh. And you know, it doesn't necessarily fit with the timeline of their success, which would be another Jerry trade that brought back a guy that he'd already traded before. I mean, like, yeah, there there are guys like that. I haven't looked as closely. I know they checked in on Tyler O'Neill and you know. I mean, there are some guys with the Marlins. You know, they're younger guys. I mean, the, the Diamondbacks aren't trading Corbin Carroll or any of those no, guys. Yeah, but just like, saying, but they've got a yeah. surplus up there. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they could they could look at Cattell Marte and say, look, we don't need necessarily this older guy right. when we got a bunch of young guys. He doesn't fit our timelines to success. You know, I don't know that the A's have anybody. You know, Ramon Lariano actually fits the right-handed need. He does have some pop, but, you know, you're going to have to make a move. He's, he doesn't move the needle, but he does make them better. He certainly isn't an, uh, an outfield minus. You know, the thing is with Loriano too, is he's right-handed bat. He can play all three positions pretty well. Hernandez is not a great defensive outfielder. He's okay. So then that gives you some options. There are, there are trade options available. And I think that's, you know, like with Brian Reynolds, I'm sure the Mariners' dream would be, look, yeah, we're going to sign, we'll trade for this guy and then we'll get him to like it here and then we'll sign him to a contract extension. That would be their hope. I mean, that's what they're doing. I mean, that's what they try to do with all these guys, like with Castillo. I mean, I get, legitimately, you could say Luis Castillo was a free agent signing this year in a way. I mean, he'll be a free agent next year, but you signed him to an extension much cheaper than what a lot of these guys got. Um, you know, some of those guys. So I, like I, I, you're right in the sense it's timing. Like, look, they, he said they always wanted to supplement, but I mean, like, you want to supplement with the right pieces. The the stuff that they need just wasn't really out there, and they limited themselves by, like, again, like, the the they were never going to get Trey Turner. They loved Trey Turner. They called on Trey Turner. They met with his people. They knew that Trey Turner did not want to stay on the East Coast, and that. You know, the Phillies weren't going to get, they knew right away the market was out of control. They like Swanson, you know, because he's a better defensive player. He's younger. But like once they saw where the market was going with, with Turner, with Bogarts, they knew that, you know, Swanson probably wasn't going to be a fit, you know, and he wasn't going to move. So do they limit themselves in that way? Yes. But like the outfield class that they were dealing with, it was Aaron Judge and everybody else. And he was in his own class. So I didn't think. You know, if Jared Kelnick is who Jared Kelnick is supposed to be, then they're not even looking for that guy. Then you're looking and you say, oh, they added Teoscar Hernandez to go with Jared and Julio, and you're fine. But the pro and then they, you know, do they limit themselves to by refusing to go like more of a full time DH? Absolutely, they do. They don't believe in it. That's their their call. But they absolutely, you know, limit themselves. But JD Martinez wasn't signing here. He took less money to go to the Dodgers to go to his old hitting coach. You know, people are like, oh, he's here at Pike Market. He was here for a wedding and then went to driveline. So, you know, um, 
And there are guys like that now, like if they really wanted to get Trey Mancini and, and do that, that's a bat that, you know, and maybe by waiting now and seeing this, they can get a guy on, a, you know, Drew, Drew really signed for two years. Maybe they can get a guy on a one year or two year, one year with an option. And they've waited long enough. They're not going to be splashy names, but they'll make them better. And, and so it kind of gets into this. So like last week, I just said, like, you know, we're talking about free agents and, and perception of the Mariners organization. I said something like, well, you know, you know, there are a lot of people that want to see Scott and Jerry fail. And people are like, oh, what the hell? Look. You work in a big corporation or whatever. How many of you people love their bosses? The amount of turnover that that Jerry and Scott have had on their coaching staff, player development, scouting, analysts, all that stuff has been massive over the years. Longtime people with the Mariners have, have, have been gone, have been let go because they weren't kind of following exactly what Jerry and Scott's plan are. That's their prerogative. but when your friends lose their jobs and you think unfairly, then do you love your boss for that? No. So there are, you know, and so, and also let's discuss baseball. Larry knows this. It's a little junior high. Like there's a lot of backbiting and talking. It's like, reminds me a lot of junior high girls, Scott and Jerry have come out and have been very verbose about how they want to do things, how they do things differently. Baseball guys don't like that. They want to, you know, it's just like, there is a lot of people out there. And and I made this comment a couple of times on the podcast. And I said it once on the uh, radio that, that there are in talking with agents and talking with players, there is sometimes a hesitancy to go to Seattle because of Scott and Jerry. It's mostly Jerry because of kind of what happened with the Graveman deal and, you know, Felix and Seeger and these guys talk amongst each other. So it's like, there is that kind of, lingering there it's not the only reason but i've had multiple agents say like look yeah we're just you know if there's a better offer somewhere else we might not send them we might push our guy somewhere else because you know of how players have been treated and and that's real do i think it's the only reason look well let's go through this right now okay larry you've dealt with this we always say that they have to pay 20 percent over market value to get a free agent hitter and i don't know if you've known this larry jerry's only signed one free agent hitter to a big contract, Nori Aoki. Have you not heard that on there? Because I've seen it a lot. Why do you think, Adam, give me one reason why you think free agent hitters might not sign here, might sign somewhere else. Just one? You get you start with one. <laughs> you start with one. The, the ballpark. Yeah. Larry, the ballpark, <laughs> while we know that the shifting, the, the weather and the climate have been different, the buildings play into it now, the ball does carry better I think than it did, you know, 10 years ago, the fence changes. Larry, how many players do you think study park factors to know whether or not the ball is hit better in T-Mobile park versus 10 years ago? Larry Bueller. I feel like I, this is substitute teacher, Ryan Divish, like quizzing the with the class. Yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Quizzing there you go. the class. On uh, on algebra questions, but um, uh, probably not very many. Uh, the the other factor I think would be the travel and the the fact that it's uh, you know we're we're up here in in uh, southern Alaska, and uh, I think the perception is that it's out of the way, out of the mainstream, too much travel. But you know, one of the storylines at the end of the the season after the playoffs, we talked to Scott about it, was that this run by the Mariners was going to attract free agents and that, that, that people were going to see how much fun it was. Like, like Robbie Ray supposedly did that, that influenced his signing the year before and that they were going to, that perception of Seattle as a place you didn't want to go was, was over and that they were going to attract a bunch of free agents. And that obviously here Larry. the Mariners don't want to pay him. Larry losing Larry. They're losing Larry. He's calling from a cave in Afghanistan. Um that was their storyline though, that the winning. And I mean honestly, the winning and the, the winning matters. Like look, if if the Mariners were a consistent playoff contender, yeah, that attracts Baseball players in the entertainment industry, they get state income tax in every city that they play in. 
Washington has no state income tax. So there is an attractiveness level about being in Washington, Florida and Texas being two other big places where many baseball players live, Florida and Texas, which is also very far away from Seattle. Um, the travel and the location are huge factors, whether or not it's real. I mean, like, look, we know about, um, we know that they have the nice flights and charter flights and everything, but it's long. They did. They have long flights. Will it be better this year? Possibly. It is a factor. Um, you know, they just, you're way out of the way and, you know, it's crazy when they're, when you're on the, in the central time zone or something on a getaway day, it's an hour and a half flight. It might be two hours, you know, with the Mariners, a lot of times getaway day flights are four and a half, five hours, you know, um, these people, like I said, a lot of the baseball players live in Florida and a lot live in Texas. You know, the games start, you're talking about a time difference. If, if your family doesn't travel with you, you're trying to watch, um, look at Trey Turner. I mean, like the Dodgers would have loved to keep him. He was dead set on being on the East coast. Um, so I think the location and the travel matters. The perception of the organization in terms of success matters. The Mariners haven't won. Everybody knows that the pitching factor or the park factor matters to hitters. I mean, I do I think it's a more fair hitter park than in the past? Yes, but the perception, what Adrian Beltre told people, yeah, it affects hitters. Um, the reputation of Scott and Jerry. I mean, like, I wouldn't say this unless I had talked to multiple agents, multiple players, and even people within the Mariners organization that think that that's a factor, that there are some people that – you know, based on what has been said about them by other players, other staffers, you know, do I think that's a huge factor? No, I don't think it's huge, but I think it's there. Maybe if it's equal money. Um, well, playing devil's advocate here, Ryan, how how different or how much more of a factor is that than maybe at other organizations too? Obviously, you've oh. been embedded with the Mariners for, for a long time here, but, you know, across the industry, you know, they're obviously – popular GMs and popular executives and unpopular GMs and popular executives. And you got to crack eggs sometimes, right? Oh, yeah. You're an executive to to make wholesale changes and you're not always going to be popular in the clubhouse. Right. I, I just, I, is that, is that a lot more with, with Jerry in particular, or is, is I mean, that just sort of come with the territory in a lot of ways too? I think it comes with the territory in some ways. I mean, you know, there are some, some managers or some GMs that are simply beloved, you know, they, they have that, you know, um, kind of interaction with the players, you know, while, you know, and Jerry has chosen at times to be a little more aloof and trying to keep his distance because, you know, you don't want to also have the personal feelings of maybe a relationship with a player cloud your judgment and making what's a decision, what's best for the team, you know? And like, I, it, it's crazy. It's like Scott, Scott just gets lumped in with Jerry because of their relationship, which, you know, it, to be honest, isn't like they're not like the best buddies that everybody perceives them. They have plenty of battles and disagreements and stuff. Like it's not like, you know, it's not like Scott just does everything that Jerry says and doesn't, you know, they battle, you know. So I, I think, you know, in talking with some players, a lot of times they 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 like Scott, but they also didn't necessarily know if, you know, like how close Jerry was with him and how much that meant. It was, it's just a different dynamic. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but again, in any job, in any situation, you know, like you're not going to love everybody you work with and you're not going to love your bosses, especially some like me, for example, I have problems with authority. I've had bosses. I disagreed with, didn't like, you know, don't, you know, I not to try and get myself in trouble. And there are people, the times that I don't necessarily see eye to eye with or whatever, do I necessarily want to see them fail? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm just that person. But again, like in baseball and in, in professional sports, and Larry knows this better as well. And Adam, you know, this in professional sports or in sports slights, there's a pettiness level and that slights and disrespect and grudges are held on for a long time, you know, a long time. And like I said, there's a part of like with Jerry and Scott being so open and verbose about talking about their thinking and their philosophies and stuff like that goes against the grain of a lot of things that we see in baseball. And people don't like that. People don't like, you know, you're, you're not supposed to talk about yourself. You know, it's, it's just a weird culture that you get around. And, and like when I had said this about 
um, you know, Scott and Jerry about people want to see them fail and stuff. I said it once on 710 and like, it didn't have great context and service came up to me and asked me about it in Oakland. And I just said, look, I'm going to hand it to you straight. I get lots of messages, email, phone, text from people that don't like you guys because how you treated them or how you treated their friends, some are in the organization, some are not, and they want to see you guys fail. They don't like how, you know, they felt disrespected. It's like, you know, that's the way baseball works. So, I mean, like I said, you're talking to somebody who holds grudges. I know exactly how, (laughs) I know exactly how they beat those people feel. And so I don't, I don't think there's any one reason why it's hard for Mariners to get free agents to want to come here. I think it's a, a combination of reasons and the Mariners, I think have to be aware of it on some level, like the travel, everything else. And they're, they're sitting there talking about, Oh yeah, people should want to come here. Yeah. But you also just, if you know that there's all these reasons that like other organizations can kind of recruit against you, then you have to be willing to push forward and pay a little bit more and go over the top. It's like with Robbie Ray, Robbie Ray wasn't their first choice. Kevin Gosman was their first choice. Gosman signed with the Blue Jays. They pivoted to Ray. Some people think that the Mariners gave Ray an extra year and more money than other teams were being offered. But you know what? If you liked him, you felt like he was going to address a need, then that's what you got to do. So, like, I understand, too, why there's a segment of the fan base that said, screw it, give Carlos Correa 10 million or 10 years, $350 million, because we just have that's the price for poker. And so I, I don't know. I don't know where that line is. Well, all the free – hopefully I'm a little bit better yeah, now. you're better now. Uh, all the free agents that they've attracted, the big-name free agents, you, they probably had to overpay. Going back to uh, Richie Sexton and Adrian Beltre, Carlos Silva, who oh, he, was a, he, was a, he was a colossal failure, but he was a big-time sign. I think four years, $48 million. Sean uh, Sean Figgins, yeah. Figgins, Robinson Cano. Uh, Nelly Cruz is an overpay. Yeah, so that's you know that's how you combat all those other things is by overpaying. And uh, you know, it, if they build the kind of team that they think they're building and on on the way to building uh, a perennial contender who you may may get a championship one of these days, they are going to become more appealing. You know, all those things that we mentioned when they were losing and not making the playoffs, it was an incredibly hard sell. If they have a run here where they make the playoffs three out of four years and maybe make it to a World Series or, or LCS or something, I I do think they will become more more popular, but they probably will have to, to pay more even then uh, to, to, to get guys to come here. I, it does feel like Julio... We talked about this a lot too, but it does feel like Julio could be and should be a game changer at some point too, right? It's only been one year, so it's it's going to take a lot longer for perceptions to change, for culture to change uh, on a more permanent permanent level. But you know, you see a guy like Julio and how much fun he's having, and just uh, no one enjoys what they're doing more than that guy right now, right? And and so at some point, if all things, everything else being equal, you're like, hey, man, I have a chance to go play with Julio or hit in front of Julio or hit after Julio. Like, you would think down the line that has to be a a factor, too. Just, again, a factor, does it change everything? Probably not, but um, that has to work out in the Mariners' favor at some point, too, knowing that he's going to be here long-term and and knowing that that he kind of is is obviously driving the bus and 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 such a big part of what what this team is and what this culture is. So again, that's something we had talked about throughout the season. Like, oh, maybe maybe that's a tipping point here. It hasn't been yet, but it does feel like that has a chance to be a real possibility down the road. And he's such. And there's so much great Dominican talent, and he played on uh, the the Olympic team. He's playing on the the WBC team that's going to play this year. He's gonna he's gonna forge friendships with these guys, uh, his countrymen, and they're gonna hit the free agent market. I mean, Juan Soto is gonna hit the free agent market in two years. Uh, you know, maybe that will be allure that he's developed these these friendships with with some of the Dominican players who does, want to come play with him. Does he speak Japanese? So <laughs> uh, yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing I was going to bring up. That's <laughs> sort of this, this subtext to this whole thing, which we've all talked about and written about is, you know, this 
unspoken belief. Uh, you know, I was reading some articles that he may get the biggest contract in baseball history, maybe the biggest contract in sports history. Uh, so, you know, are they prepared saving their, their money for, for that, you know, and, but there's, they're not going to be the only team that goes after Atani. So there's no guarantees that they're going to get him. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, like the Otani thing, and I, I, you know, money is going to be a huge factor, but in talking with, you know, I think I mentioned this before and talking with some of the Japanese media and some other guy, guys that have covered him, like he's also very cognizant about um, the perception of who he is and what he's doing, you know, things like that. Now, I mean, like the Dodgers are the Dodgers and maybe you go there, but there's this weird thing about going, you know, like kind of what the LeBron thing of trying to build a super team that's kind of frowned upon in Japanese culture. So I don't know how much that influences him or not. I, you know, but that's, that's something that the guy in talking with Japanese media and other guys that have covered Otani think that he's very cognizant of is, is like, you know, it was no different than wanting to be separate from Ichiro and force forging his own path and, and avoiding the comparisons. You know, now he's, there's no comparisons to be made. He can kind of do what he wants, but you know, I, I mean, like they're going to make a run at him. And the Dodgers will make a run, and the Cubs, and I'm sure the Yankees. Everybody's going. Steve Cohen will probably just, you know, buy half of an island in Japan. Who knows? But I'm not. I guess for me, like I looked at this class of free agents, and with the exception of the shortstops, and I guess like you, you could have, you could have made a run at Josh Bell or something like that for not a ton of money. I don't. I'm not as big of a Josh Bell fan as some people are, but like. I never thought like there was this great fit where you just said, Oh, this guy is an easy decision. Let's get him. We'll overpay if we have to, but it fits us, fits them so perfectly, you know, like, cause with, like with Trey Turner, yeah, he fits nicely, but wasn't going to do it, you know, and their, their weird stance on the shortstops thing, you know, is, is, is what it is, but there is no help right now. There is no help coming. Like if you look at their farm system, and the top players, you know, I mean, the the next, the most MLB ready guys are guys like Cade Marlowe and stuff who are nice players, but again, not projected. So if they don't do something, you know, they're going to be relying on Jared and they're going to be relying on, you know, Sam Haggerty to be contributors. And they're going to expect, there's just, there's no depth either. Like, you know, they're, what, what happened last year? Somebody goes down in the outfield. What do you do? They don't have, they don't have ready-made prospects to come out contribute right now. So that's where it's going to be really fascinating to see what they do over the next month. When that yeah. presumably the trade market does open up, there's got to be a name or two out there that just uh, people haven't really been talking about, or so, you know, somebody creative, or again, a team now sees the market and see what they can get for for you know. Some of the some guys who you know are a year or maybe two years away from free agency. If you're a small market team or a mid market team, knowing you probably won't resign, so and so guy, like maybe now's the time to strike, right? Maybe maybe you maximize the value now, and uh, you know you, you go out and put them on the market. I again, I just don't know who that name is. One guy I was looking at is we, you know, obviously uh, a lot of chaos going on in Boston right now. Um, to the Red Sox, just say screw it. They've already they've already kind of blown it this offseason. They don't want to risk losing Rafael Devers, you know, next year for nothing. So they go ahead and get a Juan Soto type package for Rafael Devers right now, uh, and just completely reset at this point. Uh, I don't I don't think that's likely, but uh, I wouldn't rule it out. I guess necessarily either. Boy, their their fans are already up in arms. If they did that, there would be a right. in Boston. But that, that's right. an intriguing thought, you know. Wouldn't it be even worse though a year from now if they just again lose them like they lost yeah. Bogarts? Isn't he a free agent after next year, or is it two years from now? Either yeah, way, next year is it either way? Like, is is that a risk? Is that a uh, gamble you're worth taking if you're the Red Sox right now, or do you yeah. go ahead and get a huge, uh, you know, uh, trade package like you didn't, like you failed to do with Mookie Betts and? And just say, you know what, we're resetting. This is this is where we're at right now, and and we'll move forward from here. I don't know. The problem is that the rental players with one year just don't get the the prospect package that teams think they're going to get. Uh, 
So as great a player as Devers is, I don't know if they, it would be a transformational, uh, a transformational package. Um, and I guess if they didn't get it, they wouldn't trade it. But uh, you know, I agree with you, Adam. There, there'll be players available that we're not thinking of. There always are. No, nobody saw Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez on on anybody's radar last year, and suddenly they were coming to Seattle. So, you know, there's there's uh, I think there there will be players that will surprise us, and and Jerry has a penchant for surprising us with with the deals that he makes. So uh, I fully expect him to make a significant trade before before this is uh, over. Larry, if they get down the road though, and they're getting closer to free spring training, do you do you sign a DH type just mm-hmm. to have like I mean, like you look at your offense and say this just isn't working, you know. Mm-hmm. do you sign even even if it's say like somebody like Pollock who can play the outfield but you know he's a right-handed bat we'll put him at DH some of the time or you know Trey Mancini or yeah. I don't know you know like Luke Voigt or Will Myers I mean some of these guys you know do you do you take a chance on one of those guys and say look we don't have enough offense so we're just going to have to spike our plan you know Gary Sanchez, some of these guys, and 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 put them in there and say, okay, yeah. we're just gonna have to do this because we don't have anything else. You're leaving one name out, Nelly Cruz. Nelly Cruz, yeah, who's uh, I think would probably be amenable to coming back here for one more run. Uh, you know, I think you probably would have to consider that at some point because otherwise, Tom Murphy is your <laughs> <laughs> which is how we started this. Uh, I don't remember if that was on this podcast or the one that it, we, yeah, that was an hour ago here. The one, yes. we, the yeah. one we asked, uh, but, um, yeah, I think you gotta, you gotta consider that, but I think they would prefer something, something different than that. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, I don't know how it's going to sound. We'll have to have Jason Puckett uh, give us a <laughs> tips on this. Um, well, I, I apologize. I don't know if it's the weather or what, but f- from the start today, it just it's been a disaster as far as I couldn't hear you guys half the time. And I, I don't know how I sounded, but probably not very good. So, well, when you use the rotary phone next time to dial up, <sighs> dial in, we'll have to send you a telegram or with instructions. Good we're going to make you use Jordan's computer from now on and some other stuff too. So like if you do buy, I consider that, but he, he, I consider that he, he's still asleep. So otherwise I would have gotten his, a lazy yeah, ass. All right. <laughs> well, five o'clock um, in the, at night. All right. Um, I, I hate Christmas, but um, we'll end it on this. I hate Christmas more than anything in the world. Um, I despise it, um, but it's going well. But quickly, what is Adam? What was the coolest Christmas present you've ever gotten? Oh my gosh! Uh, and how cool is the Christmas present you're getting your son who doesn't listen to the podcast? Yeah, no, he doesn't. He might be in the next room though, so I can't be too loud. No, uh, yeah, my kids are spoiled. Um, yeah, we're excited about the new Victus bat for sure. And uh, man, like, so uh, there's a new movie out. Last, I guess it came out last year. Last year, Eight Bit Christmas. It's on HBO right now too. So. Uh, I recommend it. It's a good good one for the whole family too. But it's about how the guy uh, uh, recounting how he got his Nintendo as a kid. So I do remember getting my original Nintendo back in whatever nineteen eighty eight or something, way back when. So that was a big one. Getting uh, it was RBI baseball was the original. I played that till my fingers were were worn out. So that, that was definitely a big one as a kid for sure. Uh, yeah, my probably for me was Nintendo. Um, it was probably the coolest things I got. Um, Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, and stuff. Um, Larry, um, did you just get stick or rock for your first uh, wheel? Okay. Fire? We got fire. We created. I fire. invented fire. A lot of people don't know that. I should get credit for that. Uh, I got a Stingray bicycle when I was about ten years old, which was the the, the cool thing with the banana seat and the and the the glittery cover for the banana seat the the wheelie bar the whole thing so that that was probably the one that uh, that stood out for me baseball card and the spokes and all that baseball cards absolutely love it love it was the best gift you've ever given 
Pittsburgh. Nothing. Boy, yeah. you, you got to practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put on the spot. Uh, we did the nice, really nice uh, ring last year. That was sort of the replacement, the long, long-standing plan uh, as a sort of nice replacement, new, updated wedding ring. So that was uh, top of mind here. That was that was fun process doing the the original custom design and all that good stuff too. So wait, you have also, to give another one eventually. I don't know anything <laughs> about this stuff. Yeah, that's new uh, to me. <laughs> yeah, well, when you're young and broken, you know, can't give a very good one. You sort of a long-standing promise and felt very adult at uh at 40 years old being able to do that last year so yeah i'm sure i know we've given lots of cool gifts but i just uh, i can't think of any of them right now yeah i can't i mean i don't know i like i said i hate christmas so <laughs> all right we'll wrap it up uh we'll do this again next week or no we'll wait a little bit after the holidays maybe the mayors will made a move jerry depoto making a trade on christmas eve maybe or something like that so thanks guys and we'll talk to you guys soon see you guys happy holidays everyone all right that will do it for this week's experience podcast uh big thanks to larry stone and adam jude any apologies for larry's audio being bad i just don't really have i don't have the technical savvy or the um wherewithal to to get it fixed right now other than telling him to get a better land or get a better internet connection um we will take a little bit of a break from the podcast in terms of the holidays probably won't come back with one until after the first of the year maybe larry and i will discuss our hall of fame ballots um that type of stuff so maybe and if the mariners make a move before then obviously we'll we will do a podcast but i wouldn't expect that till maybe after the first year either so until then, we will talk to you soon. Oh, and while I hate Christmas and everything that comes with it, I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and a, a good New Year and stay warm out there. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast presented by the Seattle Times with your host, Ryan Divish. Thanks to the Midnight Salvage Company for providing the beds and bumper music for the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can reach Ryan via email, rdivish at seattletimes.com. Follow Ryan on Twitter, at Ryan Divish, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Ryan Divish. Thanks for listening. 